0: Thank you. That's great. Thank you. What a great psalm. Fantastic. And we've been doing a series on psalms and a hunger for God. And a few years ago now, Well, quite a few years ago, actually, I used to drive a little blue Hyundai and um, my family used to call it the devil car because it used to have a mind of its own. Um, But I don't know if it was so much the car, it might have been the driver, actually. But anyway, I can particularly recall one night and uh, I used to work in Albury and I used to have to drive across the causeway to get home and this particular night it had rained and it hadn't rained for about two or three months and you know when it rains and it's the first time in a long time so the road actually gets really quite sort of sticky and and hard to grip with the tyres and literally I was in a traffic jam on the causeway, imagine that, Uh, up here in Albury-Wodonga. Might be uh, like that in Melbourne, but it was an actual traffic jam. And I could see a row of red tail lights right in front of me, I reckon for about a kilometre. And I could actually see in slow motion cumulative accidents happening. There was a car that had um, misjudged and slammed on his brakes and the car behind him went right into the back of him. And then there was, it was just like this wave of accidents and it was, I don't know if anyone's ever been in a traumatic situation, but everything seems to go on slow motion. And it was just like I was watching this slow motion movie unfold and this wave of accidents was getting closer and closer to me in the car. So I put my foot on the brake and I absolutely enabled myself to stop going smash into the back of the car in front of me. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for your angels surrounding me. And then all of a sudden, this F100 ute slammed into the back of me in my little Hyundai and I was pushed across the medium strip and into the line of oncoming oncoming traffic going the other way. And the only thing that saved me was the fact that I crashed into some bushes in the medium strip. And so there I was, sandwiched between the big bushes in the medium strip and an F-100, which had actually pushed the back of my car right up to the back windows. And uh, it was just amazing, I got out and I remember speaking to the driver in the F100 and I managed to take down his details and then a tow truck driver came along and I managed to speak to him and make arrangements for my car to get towed away and I managed to get onto the phone and ring my husband and say, I've been in an accident, I'm okay, but I'm on the causeway, come and get me, all the while I'm standing in the pouring rain. And when he pulled up and he came out and he wrapped his arms around me, I absolutely dissolved into tears (laughs) and I sobbed and I sobbed and I got into the car and my kids were in the car and they wrapped their arms around me and when I was in the safety of that car, I just fell apart. I'd managed to keep it all together when I needed to but then when I was in the safety of my family and my car, I was able to just relax. I was able to just let my defences down. And you know what? Psalm 91 is a little bit like that. That's a true story, by the way. Psalm 99, as we come to look at this psalm tonight, we come to see that the Lord is our refuge. The Lord is where we dwell in the shadow of the Almighty he is our security. But before we get into that, I just want to uh, now someone just uh, switching that on for me, which is really lovely. But I don't want to do that yet. Uh, I want to give a little bit of background to this psalm because as we've been going through the psalms, we've really noticed that a number of them have been written by David, and some by the uh, sons of Korah, but. This particular psalm is actually attributed to Moses and it's written in the context of the Israelites when they escaped the Egyptians, when they were in captivity and um, some of the language when um, Sarah read this psalm out, you'll hear words like, For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. That was thought to imply the plagues that God sent to the um, Egyptians so that. Um, his people could go free. And then it goes on and talks about, don't be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly in the day, nor dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. And so all of these terrors that are listed here in Psalm 91 are thought to be attributed to the actual terrors that the Egyptians experienced when God released his people from enslavement and then in verse 7 and 8 it goes on to say though a thousand fall at your side though 10,000 are dying around you these evils will not touch you and so we know that when the, uh, when the Israelites fled into the desert, um, there was mass carnage when the Egyptians followed them when the waters parted and then the waters came and drowned them all, that thousands died. And so it's very, very much thought that this psalm is attributed to Moses, as he um, penned his recollections of the incredible deliverance of God the Almighty for his people, the Israelites. So that's the background to this psalm. So this psalm for me is a psalm of protection and security. And on the other hand, it's also a psalm of victory. There seems to be two themes running concurrently in this psalm, the security of God and the safety of God, but the victory when you're in that security and safety of God, the victory for those that love the Lord. So let's start and have a look and the first two verses in this psalm really set the foundation they really set the scene it says those who live in the shelter of the most high will find rest in the shadow of the almighty this I declare about the Lord he alone is my refuge my place of safety. He is my God and I will trust him. You know, in our church, we have a vision and that vision is that we would all thrive and we would thrive in our Christian faith and we would thrive in our lives. And part of that foundation is based on a scripture in John 10.10 that says, for I have come, Jesus says, to bring life and life in all its fullness. And, you know, we can't live our lives unless we really have a foundational belief, almost like a mission statement, if you like, to live our lives by. And this two, these two verses, for me, are the foundation to living, being able to live our lives in a victorious way, in the security of God, You know, those that live, this is a choice. God is not to be taken as a Formula One motel where you just call in when it's convenient. That sort of abiding, the dwelleth or the living in God in that way as a convenience will never enable God's protection to cover you. There are fundamental and foundational truths when followed have real consequences for good or for bad. And for many passages in the Bible, the promises of God are really conditional upon us playing a part as well as God playing a part. And here in this psalm, we see that our part is to choose to live. And that word means to live fully. To live fully in Jesus, in, in God and in Jesus Christ. It's the same word in John 15:4 that says, Jesus said, if you remain in me, and I, I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So there's a condition here. There are lots of promises which we'll unpack in a moment, but the foundational promise is that first you must choose. These promises will only apply to those who choose to live in the shelter of the the Most High. And here in these two verses, these foundational verses, here we see the two contrasting themes of Psalm 91, the theme of shelter, the theme of security. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. Just like when when Warren came and put his arms around me, I just knew that I was safe. I just knew that I was home. But on the other hand, there's a sense of victory here because it's only those who are secure in God actually are secure at all, actually have good self-esteem, actually can stand and declare or proclaim that um, he alone, is my refuge, he is my God, Moses is saying, and I trust him. This is a victory statement. This is, there is no one else with clenched fists. He alone is my God and I trust him. I trust him for my life. So foundational truths, Before we move forward. And basically, we move forward with these two conflicting themes of security and victory. And we say, well, if there's victory, victory as a word does not exist in and of itself. It's a describing word. It's a word that means it has to be um, applied to something. You have victory over something, And usually the victory is over something that might assault you or something that is difficult or something that is hard. And in half of the verses in Psalm 91, we see that there is victory over dangers. And then we will see that we overcome these victories, uh, these dangers, sorry, through the victory of two things, God's protection and God's promises. So let's first of all look at what are some of the dangers in this psalm that God gives us victory over. Well, in verse three, he says, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. And in verse five, it says, do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor fear the dangers of the day, nor dread the plague that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. And in verse 7, though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. So if we were to take a list of the dangers in a literal sense, of any one of these troubles or dangers, we could realistically say they could happen to any one of us. Terrors at night, the arrow that flies by day, disease that stalks in the darkness, disasters that destroy at midday. We could be walking down the street at midday and get run over by a car. Someone could be holding up a bank and accidentally shoot us or deliberately shoot us. Traps, snares, slanders and thousands dying all around us. Well, we actually don't have that, generally speaking, in Australia, but we certainly have that in places like Malawi. And then if we were to symbolically take some of these dangers, because most of us these days don't die by bow and arrow, that's a little bit outdated, but there are other things that can pierce our hearts and pierce our lives and destroy us, figuratively speaking. What about things like um, reading wrong material and, and being exposed to media which can pollute our minds? This afternoon, I got onto the internet and... There was a shocking thing that happened, and this just happened in the last couple of days, but but a, a boy was abducted and tied to a tree and set alight by two young people because they had seen this in a movie. So we may not face actual arrows afflicting us, but there's a lot of dangers for us out there in the world. And I think what the psalmist is saying is that if we were to take all of these, which did apply to the Israelites but can easily apply to us and even more in a symbolic way, that there is nothing that we should fear if we live in the shadow of the Most High God. In his security. Now you might say, well, Gail, that all sounds really fine, but the reality is that I have experienced dangers, and in actual fact, you might have been saved by not, you know, dying in an automobile accident, but I know someone and they were a believer and they did die. Or you might say, what about a family member of mine who I thought was safe growing up and we had a wonderful uncle and it turned out that this uncle wasn't as friendly and as wonderful as we thought. In fact, he used to interfere with this family member. These things really do happen, don't they, to people who do believe. So how do we, we wrestle with the reality of what the scriptures are saying here and our own lives. Well, I think verse 8 gives us a really good indication of what the psalmist is really meaning. Because in verse 8 he says, just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. And these dangers... Are actually meant for those who are wicked the outcomes are meant for those who do not believe and that are wicked and and I don't know about you but I kind of like the idea I'll be honest of thinking that an uncle that interferes with his a family member is not going to go unpunished And I kind of like the idea that people that abducted a boy and and set him alight with fire, which is beyond comprehension, I kind of like the idea that those people are not going to go unpunished. Don't you? Because sometimes it can feel like the wicked prosper and, and we know in the Psalms that that's a lament that David often has. But here God is saying, the wicked will be punished with these things. Then you might say, well, that's really good. I'm really glad about that. There is a just God and there is a merciful God. But it still doesn't answer for me why the righteous suffer some of these things as well. Well, perhaps it might help to quote a theologian called Charles Spurgeon when he said in relation to this psalm, it is impossible that any ill should happen to the man who believes in the Lord. Ill to him is no ill, but only good in a mysterious form. Losses enrich him. Sickness is his medicine. Reproach is his honour and death is his gain. What does that mean? Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. Well, I truly believe my own experiences in life and by the experiences of so many others that this is not an insurance policy for believers to say that nothing will harm you ever. What Psalm 91 is saying is that if you Remain, if you truly live in the Lord Jesus Christ, then no matter what assaults you, what happens to you, God will rescue you. And he may not rescue you out of that particular situation, but he will transform you so that your attitude and your hope is strengthened, your courage is strengthened, and you will be victorious in your circumstances. That is what I believe it is saying here. You know, as an example of that, I can recall some nearly 10 years ago now, the story, and it it went right across the world, and it was... Shocking, a missionary family called the Staines who worked in India, in Orissa. It was a province of India. Worked with the Hindus. And they were, um, from what I could gather, just beautiful, lovely people. But one night, an angry mob came and surrounded the father and the two boys. The father's name was Graham and the two boys were Philip 10 and Timothy 6. And they surrounded the car that that, those boys were in and they poured petrol on that car and they set it alight and that family perished. And Gladys Staines, the wife and mother, writes this early in january 1999 in my daily bible readings i read about abraham being asked to offer his son as a sacrifice the question was put if illness or something happened would i be willing to offer that difficulty to god or would i fight with him after a lot of consideration and with a heavy heart i told the lord that I would be willing. I never dreamed that anything drastic would happen. On 23rd of January, 1999, I received the terrible news that Graham and my two sons, Philip 10 and Timothy 6 had been killed in Orissa. God enabled me to forgive the killers Forgiveness allowed the healing to start flowing into my own life. Being unwilling to forgive the person who has wronged us in any way allows bitterness to come into our relationships and we are the ones who are trapped. Forgiveness does not mean that we are free of the consequences of what has happened. Forgiving the murderers of my family has not brought them back but has given me peace in the midst of sorrow. God gave me the strength to forgive. It was his strength, not mine. At times when all around seems difficult, when the pain inside is so deep, when I think of my family, there is still a deep reassurance that God is in control. Because of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his promise, his promises, I know that one day I am going to meet Graham, Philip and Timothy again in heaven. Presently, they are with Jesus. Life's experiences are often painful, but with God, I can come through them. I don't have the answers to the wise, but I can rely on God to carry me through every difficulty. Jesus experienced pain and loss on this earth. He knows what we are going through. Gladys Staines understood the principle of Psalm 91. Gladys Staines understood that when she truly lived in the safety and in the comfort and in the strength of God, when she didn't have that strength in that space and that place, she, despite the most horrific loss, she could be victorious. She could forgive. And she could go on and live. And today, that lady is inspiring so many people around the world to fully live for Jesus Christ. And I think in the very next couple of verses, we see the key to how God says that he will overcome and create victory for us because he says in verse 10, no evil will conquer you. That's a big statement. Do you know what that means? It means that all around us, many may be dying. All around us, we may be personally experiencing all sorts of things, but it will not Conquer us. It might affect us, it might impact us for a season, but if we live in the shelter of the Most High, God, truly live, evil will not conquer us. Do you hear the difference? We will be victorious. In Romans 8, 35 to 37, it says, Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, will that ever separate us from the love of Christ? No. No, it won't. Those things might occur, but it won't conquer us. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, who wants to wrap his arms around you, who wants to shelter you. Sometimes we might feel down, we might feel overwhelmed, we might be in desperate straits, but I want to encourage you tonight. This psalm is not for wimps. It's for those who persevere and risk the full life that God has for us, despite the dangers we face every day. These dangers will not overtake us or conquer us, but they will be there. You might say, Gail, how how apart from us choosing to live in the shelter of the Most High, how else is God going to protect us? How else is God going to cause us to be victorious. Well, right in verse 11, 12 and 13, God goes on to tell us how. He says, for he will order his angels as well to protect you wherever you go. Now, angels are real. They exist. We're told in Hebrews 1.14 that they are ministering spirits. They're invisible beings. They're sent on a mission from God to do his will. In Revelation 5, we've got this glorious glimpse of the lamb, the slain lamb that is on the throne and he is surrounded by millions of angels and each one of those angels are sent on missions to protect us. And God says he will order his angels to go and protect us wherever we go and they will hold us up with their hands. That night when my life flashed before me, I truly believe that angels were protecting me that night. It was not my time to go and be with Jesus in heaven And it says, so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. This is an interesting statement because we find that later on in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke, Satan uses these very line to tempt Jesus. And Jesus replies to Satan by saying, do not put the Lord God to the test, do not tempt God, do not put him to the test. So figuratively speaking, we, we know that sometimes we do stub our toe on a stone but the real message here is if we choose to live in the security of God and live that way minute by minute. And I don't know if you're able to do that or if you've progressed to that point. It is a journey. It's a journey of daily surrendering to God. It's a journey of daily getting more and more into his word. It's a journey of of spending time with him to know that he is truly real in your life, then as you go, you have victory in your life. You have victory. And the victory is you'll trample upon lions and cobras. <laughs> now we know that we don't really go out there and stand on a lion or we stand on a cobra and we know that we don't really crush fierce lions and serpents under our feet. But many of us that know what it truly means to live truly in Christ know also what it means to have victory over many, many things in our lives. I think of um, Julie, Julie Bryan, and I've got her permission. She's here tonight. But I love Julie. I just admire so much the the sort of lions and and the cobras and the serpents that she's had to crush coming out of a background of, of drugs and how she truly wants to live her life for Jesus and live it the right way and she knows that as she remains in him, she can stamp on that addiction. She can stamp on that lifestyle. She doesn't have to have that evil overtake her. She can conquer that evil in her life. And Julie, we just want to encourage you. You just, you just are such an example to us as one that is going out there living her life in Christ and being victorious. And I love that. I love that. I think of Tim Stevens that's just said, I just love my God and he's going with me. I'm in his protection and as I go and as I explore the world and I'm going to all these dangerous places and I'm talking to Muslims, I'm going to Afghanistan and all sorts of places, I know that as I go in the security of my God, that God is going to use me and I'm going to be victorious for him. I'm going to live my life fully for him and when I was talking to Ken, He actually said that he prays Psalm 91 every morning for Tim as he goes about whatever he's doing out there. We can have victory. We can do mighty things, ordinary people doing extraordinary things, overcoming, being more than conquerors, if we live in the security of the Most High. So, lastly, let's reiterate, let's really hone in on what this security is. Well, it's God's protection first and then his promises. And once again, we re-emphasise that this is the key, that life is always going to be hard, but it doesn't have to overwhelm us, that we can be victorious when we live in the shelter of the Most High, when we find rest in the shadow of the Almighty, when we declare that he alone is our refuge and our place of safety, that he is our God and we will trust him And he will cover us with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings as we go, as we go. And he will order his angels, as we said, to protect us wherever we go, as we go. And he will hold us up. Sorry, I'm going backwards. I'm getting it right. So God, as we live in the shelter, in his protection, We have victory. And lastly, there's one key, one other key verse that really uh, speaks to us here. And it's verse four and he says, his faithful promises are your armour and your protection. When you read God's word, when you truly know God's promises for you and understand them in the light of your part and God's part then there is nothing to fear there is absolutely nothing to fear I think I've shared with you but it it came back to me again today as I was thinking about speaking and and you know there was really only one other time when my life was really threatened and and I've shared with you you know my experience with cancer but I can recall a night when I'd really just had enough and I'd had enough of treatment and and I'd had some <coughs> some major complications and and I was in a hospital bed and and I just knew that if I couldn't get this temperature down and this infection which was a result of of complications that that you know They'd tried everything and I was at the end of of the line and I remember crying out to God in that hospital bed and I remember saying, I can't go on. I literally can't go on, Lord. I can't keep doing this. I'm too sore. I'm too tired. I'm too wrecked. And I remember the physical sense of God's protection in that room, in that hospital room. And I remember a scripture that came to mind immediately and that scripture was, Father, take this cup of suffering from me, yet not my will but yours. And in that place and in that time, I understood that scripture more fully than I had ever understood it in my whole life, that here Jesus knew my pain. Jesus also knew what it meant to suffer. And of course, he suffered far more than I ever did. But that scripture was my armour. That scripture was my protection. That scripture came to life for me. And I think that's what this means here that God's promises bring us life. God's promises say, what do they say? that he will cover you with his feathers, that if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honour them. I will reward them with a long life. And give them my salvation. That's his promises. They're there to protect us. They're there to help us centre on where our mind and our bodies and our life need to be centred in the security of God's protection and his promises in his word. Then then we will have victory in our lives. Tonight, maybe God's speaking to you. Maybe you've been far away from the protection of God's shelter, his wings. And maybe tonight God's saying, all I want you to do is come back and rest a while. Gain strength. Renew your strength. But maybe God's saying, you know, you've been in this safety for too long and just like parents that have to kick out their adult kids to get out of the nest and to go out there, maybe God's saying to you, as you go, as you go with me, I want you to be full on for me. I want you to risk, I want you to trust, I want you to be victorious in your life. You see, I don't want to live safely. That's not how I want to live. But I do want to live in safety, in the safety of God, and truly risk living victoriously. That's what I think this psalm is all about. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's both in this psalm, that there is security, but there is also victory. And it's only as we Rest as we fully live in the security of you, that that is where we gain our strength. That is where we are restored and find rest so that we can go out and we can risk and we can live more fully, more victoriously for you. Oh, Lord, just pray tonight. That there if there are people here tonight that truly hunger to live more fully for you, that Lord, tonight will be the night that they will choose to do that. Lord, there may be those tonight that that want to acknowledge before we come to take up the offering that that is something that they want lord jesus tonight just be with us help us to be our refuge and our shelter so that we can live fully for you in your precious name amen